0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ, when He at the door of hope will come be glorified in the bodies of His saints. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice for your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle arcadi into your divine arms. And we ask that you continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated.
1: The book of Jeremiah six sixteen. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. The scriptures say, But we will not go. We will not listen. We will not ask. But we said we will ask. We will go that way. We will walk that old path of good. Returning to the old path of good. For certain people, this will be returning to the old path of good. But for others, it may be a first encounter and understanding of the old path. For us specifically, this is a reminder of the truth that's already in our heart. And so we can establish it. We can establish this old path of good, establish the commandments of Christ that are already within our heart. The opportunity to find to or to return to the old path of good is the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate which in scripture is defined as the elementary teaching of Christ or more specifically the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who comes in the flesh Matthew 7:13-14 Enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it Is it truly difficult to find this narrow gate this teaching The scriptures say that it's talked about all around, and so this church, this small remnant, the church is known, but they will not be able to enter because they're going to want to find how to come into this church, not by the narrow gate, not, not by the teaching of Jesus Christ to come into this church with my own baggage, with my own understanding, with legalized sins. How? And they're going to try to enter and not be able to. And will wave their hand and leave. And so those who were once in our church and left, that means they did not enter the Kingdom of Heaven. All these years they were looking how to enter the Kingdom of Heaven and legalize the lawlessness and wickedness. and religious experiences and opinions and were not able to do this and they then blamed the church and the person of God and they resisted God and left the church we will not be able to enter the kingdom of heaven ignoring the narrow gate which is the teaching of Jesus Christ and so as we've noted returning to the old path of good or finding the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ is not something many achieve And so this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who, due to their stiff neck and ignorance, will be able to find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ, but will instead inherit eternal destruction, but those who will humble humble their heart before God and will become his student will be able to enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow path demonstrated in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ will be able to inherit eternal life. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we return to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Jesus Christ. We read Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 in a more elaborated format. Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment and so the foundation again is laid once and cannot be laid again for a second time in a specific format as much as god has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already studied the doctrine of baptisms included In the baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire, therefore, according to the order of sequence presented by the Holy Spirit by Apostle Paul, we will turn to the next doctrine. This is the doctrine of laying on of the hands, which contains three ascending steps of covenants with God. These are the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of peace, or covenant of rest. Making these three covenants are called to happen, flow, and be within three baptisms. The baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire in the baptism of water we make a covenant of blood in the baptism of the holy spirit is a covenant of salt and the baptism of fire is the covenant of rest therefore the doctrine of laying on of the hands is a teaching about making a covenant between god and man and between man and god laying on of hands why laying on of the hands It is a symbol of the legal aspect where an individual person with his own hand signs an agreement with God where he consciously commits to serve God with a good conscience. That's why in the Church of Christ you don't baptize little children. Catholics do this because they don't understand the actual purpose of baptism of water, the baptism of water includes a covenant with God, the covenant of blood, and so you need to sign the document. How do you sign a document with a baby who doesn't understand it? It needs to be with an adult who is able to fulfill his part of the agreement, and so to be baptized is something when a pro- it needs to be done by someone who can sign a contract. And so you need to be mature and sober to understand the difference, and to take on the responsibilities. If you can ask the question, would you trust this person with a contract of any kind uh, in your life that you may sign for as an agreement between one another? Would you uh, would you allow this child of yours? Is he conscious enough? Is he mature enough to be able to do this? If it's no then pushing them to do this before their time is not correct. And so the teaching of laying on of the hands where we make in the baptism a of, of water covenant of blood. In scripture, any offering made, by, made to God required the laying on of the hands of the one who was offering it. Leviticus 1 4 then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him every time they brought an offering then they laid their hands on the offering and when they laid their hands on the offering they confessed their sins then they cut the throat of the animal today people consider or think that well or you make a co- contract, an agreement, as you would in a marriage or another, and somebody uh, then says, "Well, I changed my mind. I don't want to do it anymore." Or I, sh- I did love. I don't love anymore. They start changing their mind. In the case of the in the Old Testament, uh, this person would uh, make a covenant, and this person, this animal is slaughtered, and you you put your hands on the animal. Within uh, a particular format, we already studied the covenant of blood, and therefore we will immediately begin studying the second step within the covenants. This is the covenant of salt. Within the foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem, the covenant of salt is the fifth and is made of the precious Sardinix stone. The covenant of salt, fifth foundation, sardonyx. Revelation 21.19, the foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The fifth foundation, Sardinix. Sardinix is a special variant of Onyx, which in turn is a variant of chalcedony. As much as we know, Serdonyx, a variant of Onyx, was on the breastplate of judgment of the High Priest. And furthermore, when talking about the qualities of the Serdonyx, then God, by the means of the Urim and Thummim, specifically utilized (coughs) the functions and voice of salt. And so when there's the voice of blood, and so the precious stone was upon the breastplate of judgment and we see Seredonics in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the covenant of salt it was also upon the breastplate of the high priest and what was on his breastplate it has a voice our breastplate it has a voice to speak and we talked about this uh, in the last service on Sunday how The, uh, the how the blood has a voice; it speaks through our confessions. Christ is the high priest of our confessions. He begins to to do the work of a priest when I confess. If I'm silent, he he can't work. If I confess, then he begins to uh, serve before God. If I'm quiet, then he sits quietly. If I have a problem and a need, he says begin speaking. I say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for your Son. Who is your Son? Who is He to me? Who am I to Him? And He begins to then pray before the Father as a High Priest, the voice of blood. I confess. And Jesus as the High Priest begins to uh, speak before the Father. It's not that I say, Lord, listen to me. He doesn't hear. He only hears when Jesus explains to him what I'm saying. He's not listening to us. He's, God is listening to Christ, who is the high priest of our confessions. And Jesus has helped this child. Help my son and or your son and your daughter according to your word. We may say in, speci- in simple forms in the name of Jesus Christ, and it sounds beautiful.
2: And
1: so, how is there a voice in salt? This is now in our, not our voice, but our surroundings, that don't agree with our dedication and sanctification. The covenant of blood, as I speak, Lord, thank you for your Son Jesus Christ. Who is he for me? Who I am in Jesus Christ? Thank you. The covenant of salt. Now I'm silent. The covenant of salt. Those around me begins to be, begin to become uh, angry. How can this person stop communicating with me? and i asked them you need to at least tell me who you are i don't even recognize you this individual came to me and said my son who goes to your church stopped communicating with me on what found upon what foundation because they say we're 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 in a democratic society and i can say whatever i want and that i don't like your service or what you say And so I say, you have the right, but that doesn't give your son, then, uh, the need to communicate with you. Because he thought that I'm going to call his son uh, and have him and require him to do something different. But I told this person you need to repent before your son. This is the covenant of salt. Or we go to come into a store and a lawless person is walking there and begins to shout from afar. Oh, who do I see? And passes you and then a cascade of different, a waterfall of different kinds of uh, ugly things being spoken in your address. This is the voice of salt. The voice of blood I speak before the Lord. The voice of salt I'm silent and those surrounding me began to become angered. And when the disciples heard the voice of salt in those around them, they said, How wonderful, we were worthy to suffer for, uh, for the sake of his name. And these are people typically who do not have the Lord Jesus in them. Therefore, the function of the fifth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem implies the power or characteristics contained in the covenant of salt, relevant to which Jesus once said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 The phrase, you are the salt of the earth, means you have made a covenant of salt with me where you have promised to be representatives and heralds of the qualities contained in the power of the covenant of salt. Psalm 55.6 Gather my saints together to me. What saints? Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Psalm 55.6 in scripture any covenant God made with man always happened during the offering of a sacrifice which indicates the shed blood of Jesus Christ testifying of his death which in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ means that any covenant God made with man who was made any covenant made with man was made in baptism which always indicates the presence of the sacrificing death of Christ And furthermore, as we previously noted, if making a covenant of blood was called to happen during the baptism of water, then making the covenant of salt can only happen in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which in our collaboration with the Holy Spirit was called to separate us from the sinful life of our Father so that we in this way would be able to hallow God in our bodies and our souls. If the covenant of salt is in us, then it is determined by the voice of salt. Absolutely. Our relatives will say something. But not relatives in the church. If those that are relatives in the church that love the word And so there's uh, There are members that may be not understanding certain things or a covenants with God. And so a person may be misbehaving or behaving in a, ba- a bad way or negative way because he doesn't understand what he's doing. Uh and it needs to be explained further to these people so that they begin to understand the difference. And so if they go to the church, if they honor God, if they if your parents go to this church and you go to this church, you need to honor and respect your parents and God keep us uh from uh doing something like these these things toward your parents and Especially that are
2: members,
1: and so he's going to see the Heavenly Father's going to see how you will treat him. He gave us a holy person who teaches us uh, spiritual things, and also parents that we can honor and respect. And also, how do we treat people that leave God? If in heaven this would have happened, what would we do? this uh activity that lucifer had had began what he had done what would you do in that situation what, where would you be <clears throat> we need to understand that difference between the covenant of blood covenant of salt and how the voice spe- of, of the one speaks and how the voice of the other speaks the covenant of salt as an agreement can lose its power only upon one condition if one of the sides either will not understand its power or will understand it, but will refuse to fulfill their obligations. And in this given situation, that side can only be man and not God. Because the words coming from the mouth of God, which God has bound himself with to fulfill his role in the covenant of salt, are unquestionable and unchanging. As it is written, Psalm 89, 34 through 37, the Lord says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips, Once I have sworn by my holiness, sworn in the covenant of salt, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. The Lord is unchanging. I will not break. I will not violate. I will not change my word. I will keep it. Because he says, I have sworn this in my holiness you swore in the covenant of salt, Psalm 89, 34 37, to fully understand the essence of the precious Sardinix representing and containing the power of the covenant of salt, we, as with the previous foundations, need to study the name of the apostle given to the fifth foundation made of Sardinix, because specifically the name of the apostle will identify the virtue and nature of the Sardinix, which in this foundation will represent the power of the covenant of salt. At the same time, the foundation of serenix itself identifies the work of salt which God will do with the power contained in the name of the Apostle written upon the foundation. The name of the Apostle and so what in essence is the covenant of salt? The stone itself spoke uh, uh, is talking about the work that God has done. The name of the apostle is who and what what and who got uh, and who does what and what they do. The name, the name of the apostle written upon the fifth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is the name Philip Matthew ten two through three. Now the names of the names of the twelve apostles are these first Simon, who is called peter and second andrew his brother third james the son of zebedee fourth john his brother and matthew 10 3 it says fifth philip as much as we know the name philip means lover of horses in other words the meaning of his name opens for us the surpassing our understanding special love of god for horses which he has imprinted in the name of the fifth foundation and which he ad- which identifies the nature of the foundation made of sardinx we need to note that when looking at the ne- the meaning of the name Philip, it is referring to God to God-loving, specifically those horses that are his personal belonging or his possession and are sent by him to hallow and present the interests of his holiness. God loves his war horse, what horse? The one who is his personal possession and belonging, and if it's his personal possession, God sends him to hallow and re- and present his interests. his holiness. This is because in Scripture salt is a metaphor of the Holy Spirit where he demonstrates the holiness of God, which is why the power of the covenant of salt and the fifth foundation are called to be demonstrated in the functions of a horse that are the belonging of God. A horse is a symbol of war and furthermore the purpose and function of a war horse in the fifth foundation are called to lead the battles of God because this is to hallow God, and to hallow God means to honor Him and demonstrate His holiness. Proverbs twenty-one thirty-one: The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. <clears throat> and so the covenant of salt prepares the horse for the day of battle, and the victory will be from the Lord. Deliverance is from the Lord if a person will be within this covenant of salt. <clears throat> Therefore, the name Philip, the name given to the fifth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem made of the Sardenic stone means Philip the calling to praise God in your bodies and souls in the format of honoring and hallowing God in accordance with the requirements contained in the power of the covenant of salt. If you're asked the name Philip, there's a very rich uh <clears throat> semantics that are given
2: here
1: and so the calling to praise God in your body and your soul and that is to honor and and hallow God in accordance with the requirements contained in the power of the covenant of salt and so if here in the covenant of blood a person lived his life and he begins to say things that I think people, all, all all people are saved. And they begin to question, truly, will these millions of people go to hell? <laughs> and so it sounds uh, as if a lot of people will perish. And they be- but the Lord says, you need to walk the narrow gate because there are many who will seek and not be able to enter. And here he has shown that there are many people who die amongst the Christians. He says, are there few who are saved? He said, let us focus a little bit more. In the church, there are many, there are few who are saved because many seek to enter into the church, but ignore the word of God that, tells you what you need to sanctify, separate from, to, separ- to then dedicate yourself to God, then you will seek and not be able to find. <clears throat> and so let's look at this war horse that the Lord loves and let's look at the components of it. There are eight of them. And we will examine ourselves as to we have them. I know that we have them and I know we understand them. But there are definitely there's definitely work that still needs to happen. <clears throat> and they need to be uh they, they need to be uh worked and prepared so that they can fit into the golden settings. We don't adjust the settings, we adjust the stone. Uh, so that it can fit into the settings, into the golden settings. And we can't somehow edit and fix the setting so that it fit the stone. But we need to work with our own precious stones so that they would not violate the Word of God, not peddle with, not damage with the Word of God, as many do, because they don't want to work with their own precious stones That they try to manipulate and football the Word of God so that it somehow would benefit them. If we have a precious stone, we need to work it so that it it fits properly. First component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the function of a war horse, is called to glorify God in your body and spirit, which are God's. In the covenant of salt, we can glorify God in our sp- body and our spirit. God saves our soul, our spirit, but our our soul and our body are needing to be saved. And so this name of the Apostle Philip, it allows us to glorify God in our bodies and spirit. For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And in this case of spirit, it's referring to encompassing the soul. According to the given statement, to glorify God in your body and spirit is to hallow God in the body and soul. To hallow God in the body and soul is to lead battles for the entire territory, for the wholesomeness of your body and soul. In its entirety, without blemish, I will keep the spirit, soul, and body. And so this is the wholesomeness to keep all of this. These battles happen so that you can uh, take it as a a whole. In spirit, these battles happen, and we need to continue to keep this, uh, continue to work this uh, entire territory to be our own, and this happens. This is not in the covenant of blood. In the covenant of blood, I save your spirit. And so within the next... 120 years or whatever it will be, how long you will live, you need to save your uh, soul and your body. We've noted that during the leading of battles, God never tries to take what is not His and never captures territories that do not belong to Him. God leads battles only for those territories that previously belonged to Him and after were taken by His enemies. Israel came today, and the the Muslim nations that surround them, they say, "Why are you there? Uh, this is our territories. But this these are the lands of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel has the rights to this land. <clears throat> and And so the, the the Muslims they they acknowledge Abraham, but they don't acknowledge Isaac and Jacob, or those born from Sarah. And so this war continues for this territory. The the, the Jews wanna, want it for them and of course the Arab nations, they want to take it for themselves. We've noted that during, uh, that these territories that God leads battles for to take them back in, into his possession is always that category of people whom God calls his own. Matthew 1, 20, 21 an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save their pe- his people from their sins. And so if you want to sum up today what our pastor is saying to us, in this first component, that it's necessary for the Lord to prepare His horse, and to prepare His horse, the Lord needs for this person to agree to save, not to. He needs to consent to the fact to to save, not just his spirit, but his soul and body as well. And agreeing to this, you become then this horse, and you do the work. Second component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the function of a war horse, is called to place us in dependence of the Holy Spirit, so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 63:12 through 14 who led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them, to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, that they might not stumble as a beast goes down into the valley, and the spirit of the Lord causes him to rest. So you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. And so he's saying here that you lead him how? As a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble. So there were those who stumbled and fell in the wilderness, but... Caleb and Joshua and Moses and those who were 20 years and, and younger, those did not stumble. How do I determine if I stumble or not? When we say to this man, what is this? Where's the watermelons? Where's the onion? Where's the? Why are we always in the Word of God? Can we please say something new? Everything we say is always new. Every time I read and read and hear the Word, the works of pastor they're always fresh to me and they always shine with the very many different beautiful tints that they have like if uh on the hand of a woman or a, or a mother you'll see this uh a precious stone that has a lot of beautiful angles and the more you move it around the more you uh... you see all these beautiful things and and little components and elements that the stone may have it is the same thing with the word of god when god speaks of his war horse then he is saying this from the position of the rider who directs or leads his war horse one that does not stumble a war horse that does not stumble under its rider this is a symbol and prototype of the category of people that are led by the holy spirit Being led by the Holy Spirit is a a horse that does not stumble. There are horses that do stumble. According to Scripture, people that are led by the power of their intellectual abilities and personal lusts are people who give glory to their intellect and their desires. Because our God and our worship is that power that we trust in and that we allow to control us. In, this, in his time, God called his nation so that it not be as a horse that has no understanding, whose jaw needs to be harnessed with bit and bridle, so they listen to him. Psalm
2: 32,
1: 9, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you.
2: And so there's horse, there's,
1: there's mule. And so when we talk about this, um, the mules or the horses, the Lord will be seated, seated not on any of these, but only on the horse, uh, what is a war horse? God loves his horse. And so an unwise and without understanding horse or mule is when we, with our intellect, begin to to be controlled by our intellect. The jaw is our mouth or our tool by which we need to control our essence. Being led by the Holy Spirit is the ability to give glory to God or to hallow God. And this is possible upon one condition when we have hope upon God that is based upon the power of the covenant of salt. Jeremiah 13:16. Give glory to the Lord your God before he causes darkness and before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. And while you are looking for light, he turns it into the shadow of death and makes it dense darkness. And so, giving glory to God while it is day. While we continue to hear the word of God, give glory to God, receive this word, meditate upon this word, confess this word. And using this word, I then humble my mouth and I say, Lord, I am not as this mule or any other crossing, but specifically a War horse of yours. I discipline myself with your commandments. This was the second com- uh, component it, that God teaches and leads His horse, so that the horse can attractively uh, walk in an attractive way. If you've ever seen, if you've ever seen these uh, demonstrations that they have, they discipline. They they have a trained and disciplined horse, and it uh, beautifully can trot. If in the first. Uh, component, we see that the Lord prepares his horse, he bears his horse, he prepares here, he teaches his horse how to be properly led by the Holy Spirit to represent his interests so we not stumble and so those horses that represent the Holy Spirit it's beautiful to see them horses are one of the most beautiful of animals how is it in one animal you can uh, combine this power confidence and beauty all in one. The horse is not afraid of the sword. He's not afraid of loud noises. Uh like shots that are being fired. Uh he continues to go, he continues to run ahead, even though he's being shot at. What kind of obedience, what kind of power these animals have. Everything uh in one animal. And so you need to be such a person so you have all these components and qualities third component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the functions of a war horse, is the ability to keep the vessel of your heart in sanctification and honor. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. People whom God calls his own are vessels of honor, whom by the means of the power contained in the power of the covenant of salt are able to keep their vessel in sanctification and honor and not passions of lusts. Like the Gentiles, the vessel of honor or God's possession, we can end up in bondage. Or in captivity of our own flesh, or wicked people who previously dedicated themselves to God, which is why they were given the power and authority over these uh, vessels of honor. But then they became arrogant and wicked, and instead of c- continuing to be vessels of sanctification, and instead of leading them and overseeing them for the Lord, they did it for themselves and so we see this very clearly in a historical story if you know in the story of Daniel and Belshazzar when he created a banquet for his wives for his concubines and he had drunk a lot of wine and he said come and bring me vessels out of the temple of God that his father Nebuchadnezzar had brought from the temple when he destroyed it and so he knew that they had to keep these vessels so that they not have wrath from God and not draw God's wrath and Belshazzar with his drunk head had said, What did did my father bring there? Bring these vessels so we can drink from them. We will use them for ourselves. And they did. And the Lord uh, judged him and he showed the hand that wrote on the wall and, he, and he, they were so afraid that their knees were were shaking. And they then tried to find out who can read it and no one can read it but one individual had come up and said that Daniel can and they called the prophet to interpret what is being written and they said our scene which means The Lord has numbered your kingdom. He has weighed you and have found you light and he's giving your kingdom to the persians and in that very night this king was killed and the medes and persians had taken over because it was not possible to build uh, jerusalem again with this belshazzar god can all oh, only through darius uh, use Darius to be able to because they they gave uh he gave the the consent to uh, build uh, rebuild jerusalem and so the church of god needs to be freed from these belgazars who use the church for their benefits this is very important this historical event is not just an example of the audacity that people may may have, but also how God leads His battles for those areas that are His, or the people that He, with the people whom He has made a covenant of salt with. The covenant of salt indicates that people that are in this covenant are led by the Holy Spirit, due to which God receives the ability to lead battles for the, their deliverance from the sinful life that is passed on to them from their fathers as well as the harassment of the wicked and so God delivers his uh warhorse from the lawless and the sinful the the from the sins that have passed on to us from our fathers fourth component of the power contained in the name Philip representing the functions of a warhorse is called to put to shame the riders on horses in the form of pastors and goats which do not belong to God but impersonate them. The work continues. Zechariah ten three through five. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the goat herds, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the the house of Judah, and will make them as his royal horse in the battle, and make them as his royal horse in the battle. From him comes the corner stone. From him the tent peg. From him the battle bow, from him every ruler together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in battle. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall put, be put to shame. Who will put them to shame? The person whom God has pla- placed as his royal horse in battle. This royal horse, in the form of God's chosen remnant, will... Put to shame the riders on the horses, who are the satanic gatherings, who are who call themselves God's people, but are not. And it is, will be happen. This will happen before rapture, just like before the taking of Elijah to heaven. They he destroyed all of these uh, priests that were impersonating God's uh, priests, but were actually not so. We are studying how we need to be this horse that is led by the Holy Spirit, how to overcome in this battle. Elijah was this uh, war horse. Before he was taken to heaven, he had judged all of these priests of Baal. These priests of Baal were prostitutes, but male prostitutes. These are democratic st- uh, system structures within the churches, democratically led. These are male prostitutes when they elect one another and then to re-elect themselves. They begin to convince the members to vote for them by doing different things for them. These are prostitutes within churches, male prostitutes. And so, when the Lord comes to glorify Himself in His own, He will deal with all of these uh, priests of Baal. Fifth component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the functions of war horses, of the war horse is called to strike the resisting God nations together with the Antichrist with a sharp sword coming out of the mouth of the one sitting on the horse. And so again, it is to strike the resisting God-nations together with the Antichrist. And so he will judge this, not just the lawless and wicked, but also this world, and the Antichrist will be the president of Europe. Revelations 19, uh, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus Christ and the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. He first struck the old man and the riders of horses that represent the interests of hell. And now he will also use this horse to strike the nations and the Antichrist. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the given situation, the war horse and rider represent a kind of union. The war horse is the body given as a living living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God for our good, our good service. Romans 6.13 And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Present yourself to God as a war horse. When we present ourselves to God as those who come alive from death, and the members of our body as tools of righteousness, we become God's mouth from which comes this sharp sword to strike the hating God-nations. We see how this horse is transformed in the mouth of God. This is the sharp two-edged sword. When we refuse to present ourselves to God as those who come alive from death, and the members of our body as tools of righteousness for God, we transform into a horse that stumbles and resists God. Due to which God will vomit us vomit us out of our of His mouth, and our lips begin to then present the interests of God, uh, of a God-hating unbelief in God's promises, for which God carries responsibility in the covenant of salt. And so He again vomits us out of His mouth when we do not present ourselves to God as those alive from death. <clears throat> and as tools of righteousness to him because a person begins to justify his acts saying that he will lose his relatives, his friends he has so much followers or I've been asked a question brother how many followers do you have and I say many in the sense that those who follow Jesus uh, who follow our pastor kadi follow I also follow in my case because I'm we are together we And so people are then convinced and, uh, <clears throat> and drawn to these followers and other things instead of the, what's truly important. Revelations 3, 15, 16. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Exodus 32, 31
2: through 35.
1: Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, "Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a god of gold. Yet now if you will forgive your sin, but if not, I, I pray blot me out of your book which you have written." And the Lord said to Moses, "Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now therefore go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold my angel shall go before you; nevertheless in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit pu- I will visit punishment upon them." for their sins. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. God in this fifth aspect makes us his lips. The war horse is transformed into God's lips from which comes this sharp two-edged sword. Because we see that here there's a unity. The horse and the rider become one. And so until this rider sits upon the horse, until he's prepared, until he's disciplined this horse, until the bridle and bits are put in the mouth, he won't be able to do anything with the sword. We're working on this horse today. We're looking at all these angles of the Sardinic stone to be in accordance with it. Sixth component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the function of a warhorse, is called... By the means of the sharp two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of God To take control of the key positions of hell and death The Lord began to prepare us as the horse Then he con- He condemns our old man Then he condemns the uh, those who stumble constantly in the churches That impersonate his own Then he judges the nations and the Antichrist And now he condemns all hell and all death you see where this war horse has come. Revelations 1:16-17. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in the strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as de- as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I was dead and now am alive. I have the keys of Hades and death. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that the one sitting on the white horse from whose mouth comes the sharp two-edged sword and who holds the seven stars in his right hand is one and the same face represented in the sharp two-edged sword that functions containing the power and abilities of the covenant of salt. These qualities, revelant to the consistency of the name Philip, speak of the fact that the Son of God in the the covenant of salt has always been the first and the last. He says, I am the first and the last. I I was dead, and I am alive and forevermore and have the keys of Hades. In the covenant of salt, the Lord becomes the first and the last. And how do you determine this? That we are within the covenant of salt is when the lord becomes the first and the last when the per- a person doesn't make a covenant with god uh, it's not as someone who's just trying to save his life in the covenant of blood because he's not yet the lord will not yet be first of the first and the last we need to make this covenant of salt so that he can be the alpha and omega And so the covenant of salt again is necessary, so that this can happen. So you could say, Lord, you are the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. To pray like this, you need to be in the covenant of salt. The priority of any work is to hallow God in accordance with the demands of the covenant of salt. He, Jesus Christ, has always been every first and every f- and every last. Or the finishing of this first as a matter of fact he himself repeatedly stated this about himself i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to, to me unless my father in heaven draws them to me in accordance with this thought we can conclude that in order to hallow god it is necessary to know in what way we need to to begin to hallow god and in what we need we need to finish what we start or what we begin And so how we begin to hallow God and how we finish? How do we sanctify ourselves so that we can then, in finishing, dedicate ourselves? This is all possible in the covenant of salt, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The way to God demonstrated in the fruit of holiness in Christ Jesus is actually deliverance from slavery of sin or a complete or total sanctification allowing us to be clothed into the virtue of a servant of the Lord demonstrated in a total or complete dedication. Romans six twenty two twenty three. 23. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But now you have been set free from sin and it says for your by the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life and of course to hallow God it is necessary to destroy the works of the devil or to stand upon all the powers of resistance as the power of salt destroys the process of decay in, the, in those products that are submerged into a solution of salt, it is the same with the works of the devil. They can be destroyed in man with the power contained in the covenant of salt. And so those things that are in our soul and our body, our mind, <coughs> we can't adopt our body without this covenant of salt. And so when we say "May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within my body he submerges us in to this covenant of salt And so salt is good it brings for us a somewhat of a discomfort for a better a good purpose in other words we can become a war horse of the lord only upon the condition that we follow the conditions of the agreement of the covenant of salt which we have made with god in the baptism of the holy spirit and understandably following the conditions of the agreement contained in the covenant of salt is a voluntary use of all of the abilities that we have hebrews 12:14 pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the lord pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so we can ask, how does the Lord take hold of the positions of hell within our essence, hell and and death? When we correctly understand the essence of sanctification and dedication, we are called to have peace with all people, yes. But we need to not forget my sanctification and dedication I can't can I be friends with a person at work uh, no because you keep he could be a colleague and they, they have a relationship with you at work but everywhere else uh, this this if a person is a a, si- a sinner if he hates a church or hates God or drinks and He's a colleague of w- at work, but not your friend. In that sense, because with you, uh, with with uh, in the church, you have your friends because you have uh, all the connections that you need to have with the people in your church. As with people at work, uh, you're not supposed to have them because they're very different from our our holy. Uh,
2: way of living.
1: Seventh component of the power contained in the name Philip representing the functions of a warhorse, identifying the covenant of salt is called by the means of the sharp two-edged sword coming out of the mouth of God to hold fast to the name of God. Revelations two twelve through thirteen, and to the angel of the church in Pergamus write these things. Says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of which Antipas was my faith, faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. And so you dwell where Satan's throne is that's where the democratic systems and structures are present within the church the sharp two-edged sword is the Word of God that comes out of the mouth of God in the format of the faith of God in the preached word about the kingdom of heaven which the messengers of God as war horses of the Heavenly Father received into their heart and after being inspired by the Holy Spirit confess them Hebrews 4 12, 13 for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joint and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, to hold fast to the word of God, it is necessary to have a mouth from which a sharp two edged sword would be able to come. The covenant of salt is this mouth that has this the word of God will come as this sharp-to-edged sword, and for this purpose, it is necessary to be a war horse whose rider is the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> and so if my rider is not the Holy Spirit, then I with my mouth will be cutting people, burning people, will be poisoning people or stinging them. And so, if I see that I'm not in accordance with these requirements, if I am cutting my brother instead of uh, disciplining myself, and so people ask the question, why weren't you at church? Or uh, for the reasons, and, and the explanations are given. And so, we begin before we begin to uh, ask questions as to why people are where they are or not are, or not doing something that we think that they we think or don't think that's happening. Let us first check ourselves. We need to speak with respect and gently. When Christ was speaking with people, he. Was would speak to them for the purpose of repentance, uh, to draw them to repentance. And so, to be this war horse is to have the word of God. And so, I need to kill myself when I need to kill, and then I become bro- uh, gentle and restrained and speak gently with the members instead of uh, cutting them. Or, and of course, there's times where you just need to be silent and pray. And for this purpose, it is necessary to be a war horse, whose rider is the Holy Spirit. Of God to be a war horse, it is necessary to be a partaker to the qualities contained in the power of the covenant of salt. Therefore, the phrase, to hold fast to my name, means increasing in and strengthening in the abilities of the name of the Lord. Overpower and overcome with the abilities of the name of the Lord. Take by force and capture with the abilities of the name of the Lord. And show yourself strong and powerful with the abilities of the name of the Lord. We are not unfamiliar with the fact that according to the given promise of his name, having a sharp two edged sword, which we are called to have, is the name Philip, which contains the virtue of a servant of the Lord, to be a war horse of God or a vessel of honor, which would be able to to be acceptable to the ruler for every good work. Second 2 Timothy 2:21. 2, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. I begin to cleanse myself, and then the master will find my place for me in the, his church. A good work in this given situation is the work of God, or a work that God wants to do by the power of his name using the fifth foundation of the heavenly Jerusalem this is in the name Philip representing in his foundation the virtue of a horse therefore if we attempt by the power of the covenant of salt to do or to establish a good deed which <coughs> is in the power of the covenant of blood then this work will in no way be considered a good work. And so what is a good work? A a good work, we can't take the powers of the covenant of salt and establish them in the covenant of blood because the covenant of salt will be dedication and requirement of a price from us. But if we take this dedication and put it in the covenant of blood and say, Lord, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to do this and this, he'll say, friend, this is the covenant of blood. Here you need to thank God for what he has done for you but a person wants to earn his salvation, wants to prove that I don't need this blood, I will shed my own blood, I will want to give my, my body to you but he says, friend, in the covenant of blood people thank God for what he has done, there in the covenant of salt you can start doing this work of sanctification, or we're in the covenant of salt and this is the next level, I need to do the works of holiness. But, he, but a person decides, I, will, I love everyone. God will save everyone. I will be soft and tolerant and so forth. God loves everybody. He's already done everything. And salvation is guaranteed. This is the covenant of salt. If you say this, you need to go back to the covenant of blood. Because in the covenant of blood, we thank him for the blood that he has shed. And kings and priests pray that way Those that are in the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of of breast If we begin to to, uh, flip these around or try to change what is being done in the other Or ascribe them to the other Then we will lose our salvation We can't confuse and mix these up Because every specific good work that we are called to do Where we're supposed to hallow and praise God needs to have its own personal time, its own personal place, its own personal name, and its own specific goal. The covenant of salt having its own gold, covenant of blood its own, and covenant of rest its own. In the covenant of blood I find rest. I calm I find I calm myself. And so the Lord says, "I seek one who would worship me, in spirit and in truth. I will find my rest in the covenant of rest. And that is when I, with a broken spirit, when a humble and contrite spirit, become uh, one who acknowledges the Church. I am growing to full measure of growth in Christ. And the Lord finds His rest in us in the covenant of blood. We find His, re- we find rest in the." Co- Covenant of abreast, he finds his rest, and his purpose, his goal, is to to find his rest in us. Let us bring forth a couple of examples, illustrations. First, for example, the sowing of good seed is a good work, but if we begin sowing this good seed in a season that is not appropriate, which which is spring but rather we sow it in the fall and we again not in the spring but we decide to sow it in the fall right before winter then this deed can only be a bad a bad deed when we begin to sow there where we want to and not within the boundaries that the Lord has outlined or shown us to to sow in within our church then this also is a bad work or if we begin to sow in our name, as Ananias did, then this is also a bad deed. If we, sowing, in the process of sowing, will have some kind of material materialistic goals and not goals that are imperishable, then this also is a bad deed. Imperishable seeds are the promise of the future that are... Uh, These imperishable seeds can be different, and each specific imperishable promise and seed has its own function. Receiving into your heart the seed of any kind of promise, or being fertilized, or your heart being fertilized with any kind of promise, we do the work of God, keeping and growing the seed of promise. We also do a good deed, and. Producing the fruit of the seed of any promise, this be fruit of joy, peace, love, or the patience of Christ, we do a good work or good deed. This was the seventh component, the Lord, we hold fast to his name by the righteous and good work. And eighth component of the power contained in the name Philip, representing the functions of a war horse, identifying the covenant of salt is called to destroy with the fire of its jealousy those who call good evil and evil good, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is what the covenant of salt does. Or God using his war horse, Isaiah 5:20 through 30. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe, who take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble, and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness, and their blossom will ascend like dust, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against His people. He has stretched out His hand against them and stricken them. And another place of scripture. Joel
2: 2,
1: 1-10 And so these people that, uh, we're talking here about a person being as this war horse. And from from whom does all of this uh, unfortunate, uh, all the unfortunate things come upon this earth. Blow the trumpet, Joel 2, 1 through 11. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like the morning clouds spread over the mountains. A people come great and strong, like the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive successive generations. A fire, fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like swift steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over mountaintops they leap like the noise of a flaming fire that devoured stubble like a strong people set in battle array before them the people writhe in pain all faces are drained of color they run like mighty men like they climb like the they climb the wall like men of war everyone marches in formation and they do not break ranks they do not push one another everyone marches in his own column though they lunge between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and from in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter at the windows like a chi- like a thief. The earthquakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? And so only those saints that are within the Covenant of Salt will endure it. Right now we are going to pray and I call to this place every holy person who would like to possess in Jesus Christ this might and be a doer of his word and to be able to fulfill his word and do his word and we need to in a covenant of salt confirm his holiness and maybe we had committed a sin committed things that maybe we shouldn't be doing the covenant of salt we have the covenant of blood it is for us we are in the covenant of rest but if we have received salvation as a whole then a person in the, that is in the covenant of rest as David he says, I have sinned before the Lord, I need to die. And prophet Nathan said immediately, you will not die. God has taken your iniquity away. And so he immediately said, as soon as he said, I have sinned, Nathan had said, the Lord forgave, has forgiven you. Because if we are correctly in the covenant of salt, we are correctly in the covenant of, of rest. And so, I, we call, I call every person to this place, anyone who wants to see the power of the covenant of blood in their life, we wait for you here at the altar. be praying your prayer and i ask you to deeply believe that god is on your side he is not against you he has loved you with eternal love he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and to lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to god this is a sign that you're ready to receive from the lord what he wants to give you without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, I open up my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my dependence, with sin that binds me, illnesses, fears, a pampered dignity, and dishonor. I ask you, forgive me, protect me with the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, these promises be upon you and with noise. May the stronghold of death be thrown out of your body. And th- may the stronghold of life be erected within your body. May this be upon you and upon your children, and the nation shall say, Amen.
2: Okay. As we
1: see, the Holy Spirit continues to show His mercy. and in the light of the Holy Spirit we can see much and we can see many and many different angles that shine with their beauty. And I'm more than confident that if we continue to communicate with one another, meditate about this, we will have even we'll see even more angles and deeper. That's why cell groups are for this so that we can see the shining of all of these angles.